Welcome to Mental Health and You. This podcast brings you the best information and advice from across the Norfolk and Suffolk Foundation Trust. Every fortnight, we will hear from one of our specialist areas, be it school and parent support, the recovery college, well-being or research. To the Psychology in Schools Dean podcast. Uh, my name's Linda Brindle, I'm a psychotherapist working within that team and I'm hosting today's session on sleep. With me I've got uh, Hope Westgate with me, a clinical psychologist from our team, so we'll be hearing some of her expert knowledge and understanding around sleep and we're really excited to also have two guests, guests with us today um, who have been involved in, from different perspectives in the sleep programme that's being offered by Norfolk and Suffolk Mental Health Trust. Now uh, we know that sleep is a common difficulty that many people experience at different stages of their life and we're also aware that during this um, time of COVID there's been additional challenges that, that different people have faced around sleep. Parents have certainly reported um, the challenges of some of their young people and their sleep cycles with the periods of lockdown and that impact on them perhaps not being at school for longer periods. Uh, but even as we're coming through um, and, and through into a, a different stage of COVID, um, sleep issues continue and we know it's quite a challenge for adolescents. So um, welcome to Ethan and Olivia and let's just hand over to you so you can introduce yourself. Ethan, can I start with you? Yeah, my name's Ethan. I've been with the sleep introduction team for, I was with them for six weeks. They helped me improve my sleep and my mental health, as well as them being able to help me come out as transgender. And I'm 16 years old. That's brilliant. Thanks ever so much for being with us today, Ethan. And we really look forward to hearing more about your story and, and what things that you found really helpful from the sleep programme. And Olivia. Hi, I'm Olivia. Um, I'm an assistant psychologist that works within a youth team and um, I worked with Ethan and we looked specifically at his sleep. Um, so, yeah. Thank you. So the sleep programme at the moment is being offered to specific young people who are already um, within the mental health services. But what we want the opportunity to do is to share sort of key aspects of what's helpful for everyone to know about sleep so that you can actually all utilise the uh, sort of information that's being gathered about what really helps. So I guess what might be really helpful to start with is just to think about why do adolescents in particular particular struggle with sleep? Yeah, so if I just start off on that one, I think, um, you know, we know that sleep is essential for lots of different reasons. It's you know, restorative for us, for our bodies. Um, it's helpful for our emotions. Um, but there are times in our lives where people are more likely to struggle with sleep difficulties. Um, and one of those times, as you've mentioned, Linda, is when people are in that kind of more teenage, um, young adult stage of life. Um, we know that sleep can be a bit tricky then um, and there are some kind of more biological reasons why that's trickier. So one being that as we know um, young people are still growing a lot um, so they've got kind of physical changes in their body as well as um, hormones going on so um, when hormones are spiking that can impact on people's sleep patterns as well so actually there's kind of lots of physical growth and development going on for teenagers um, which can affect sleep. Um, 
but also something that's kind of really interesting and, and it's found in the research is that um, a lot of teenagers actually have something called delayed sleep onset. So that means that often they don't get sleepy till a little bit later um, than typically people would. Um, so that's because one of the hormones, which is really important for sleep, um, melatonin, is usually secreted a little bit later um, for those people, particularly in their teenage years. So they're not getting sleepy till a bit later um, and wanting to wake up a little bit later as well. Um, so. There's actually good scientific grounding for that stereotype that teenagers want to sleep in a little bit. Um, so they do have that delayed sleep onset. And I think that can cause challenges when you think about things like school, which isn't later on in the day. Um, so often what happens is they just miss out on having some sleep because they're still you know, not getting sleepy till later and having to wake up quite early for school. Um, so, so that can be really challenging. So. Yeah, was, I think it's a really hard part of life because at that stage, sleep is really, really essential because they're also learning and growing and, and that brain development. But it is, yeah, it's really tricky. Thank you, Hope. And Ethan, I wonder from your perspective, what would you say? Uh, do you have an opinion about why adolescents or why you in particular found sleep a struggle or perhaps why you got involved with the sleep programme? Uh, I got involved with the sleep programme because I suffered really badly with my sleep. I couldn't sleep throughout the night. I'd go to bed around 10-ish, wake up around 12 in the morning and just constantly wake up. I was having many, many nightmares and just couldn't get to sleep. Um, and having no sleep really affects your mind, your energy and everything. Um, I couldn't even get up to meet friends on time. I couldn't go out with my mum just because of sleep. And no one, everyone thinks, obviously teenagers are lazy, but when you look into it more, there's a lot more reasons why we end up sleeping in and some of it is just we just can't settle at night and it is it does make a big in, impact on your mental health yeah and I can hear from what you're saying how it really the lack of sleep was impacting on all aspects of your day-to-day -day life and your ability to function and do just do the everyday things sounds a real challenge it was a challenge indeed it did take a big toll on my mental health not being able to just go out because I wasn't waking up till at least one, two in the afternoon because I wasn't getting a full night's sleep. So it did take a big toll on me, but using the sleep intervention, it really helped. So maybe this is a good point to hand over to Olivia. I wonder what in terms of the um, sort of things that the sleep programme has identified are, are the key things that we need to know about in terms of the science of sleep. Um, what what should we know? What do we need to know in order to be better informed about, about what research has discovered? I suppose a key thing that we always cover in the sleep programme is a bit of psychoeducation on, on what's really kind of going on, what's driving sleep. And one of the uh, big drivers of sleep is our own internal body clock. So this idea that everything we do is kind of set to a time, um, but also that this body clock is really, really affected by things like the environment, um, kind of other lifestyle factors and that it that can easily get kind of dysregulated. Um, so like one of the kind of really important parts of that, that kind of is affected, uh, the body clock is affected by is light. Um, and if you think about kind of today's day and age and especially kind of what teenagers are up to um, late at night, uh, quite commonly they're kind of on their phones really late, they're um, watching TV, they're kind of flooding flooding their eyes with light um, and that's kind of one of the main kind of triggers for melatonin that sleep hormone in being released so it's really important to think about 
of how certain factors do kind of factor into into how easy it is for us to feel sleepy in the in the evenings because the the longer that we're kind of experiencing light in the evenings the the more it's going to push back that time when we feel sleepy another thing that is i I think it's really uh, ethan found um, helpful as well for what we covered is learning actually what happens when we sleep um realizing that there are different kinds of sleep and um that just because we're getting i don't know five six seven hours of sleep we might not be getting good quality sleep um so we spent quite a lot of time kind of talking about what might be impacting how long we're spending in these different kinds of sleep um and kind of what one of the things that we we spoke a lot about is those kind of initial uh, earlier stages sleep light sleep during these stages we're really it's really easy for us to kind of wake up and get uh, hear noises or feel disturbed which can like, pull us out of that sleepy feeling and keep us up thank you and ethan is there anything else that you found in terms of thinking about the science of sleep and that whole area of the body clock and light and things is there anything else that you found was particularly important for you in in making some of the changes that you did to your sleep pattern uh, we did also talk about caffeine intake I'm also a smoker and not knowing that nicotine can also energize your brain so not knowing that and me having a cigarette at least 10 minutes before I went to bed actually simulated my brain and it wasn't until me and Olivia spoke that having a cigarette at least an hour or an hour and a half before you go to sleep lessens the sleep like the simulation and having a coffee you know but after gone 12 can also simulate your brain and just learning that just cutting that down I was sleeping like throughout the night and then when we started obviously talking more about the stages of sleep I understood my brain more because I obviously struggled about waking up and we we thought about different things that I could do if I did wake up Um, and we also talked about how just being able to get up and do something or go sit somewhere that's not my bed and teaching my brain that my bed is my sleep area not for the rest of the day that completely helped and it's important to not have caffeine before you go to bed because that will simulate your brain so much so Ethan I just wanted to ask were you talking about 12 midnight or 12 in noon when you said about not having caffeine after that time 12 noon from right. 12 noon it simulates your brain even more than you just you just think a simple coffee is going to wake you up but it carries on the caffeine yes and we know that actually that ca- that caffeine stays in our system so much longer than we'd expect uh, can re- anyone remember the figures around that yeah i think it, i think it's around six hours so um yeah six hours after having caffeine half of it is still around your system um which is is pretty amazing i think yeah, as, as Ethan said, I don't think we always kind of notice the little things that we're doing in the day that actually are having such a huge impact on us in the night um, or even the things we do just before bed. Um, so just being able to kind of look at your habits in the day as well as um, your nighttime routine is really helpful. Um, I think one that's really apparent to me at the moment, particularly because we're experiencing a hot spell, is also temperature. Um mm. So often people do find it quite tricky to sleep when it's really hot at night. Um, And actually, when we're sleeping, we do need a bit more of a cooler environment to help us sleep. So, you know, I'm kind of thinking about things I can change even in the day, like keeping curtains and blinds shut in the room so the sunlight doesn't come in um, and and heat it up. So 
I think it's, it's really helpful to kind of pick apart bits of your day which could be impacting on your sleep and seeing if there, if there are any modifications that you can make. I think something really important um, Ethan mentioned was this idea of only using your bed for sleep and I think teenagers especially end up using their bed for almost everything. It's the place that they relax, it's the place they do their schoolwork, it's the place they just use for everything. So it kind of, in our brain, it becomes associated with so many other things other than sleep and that really confuses our our brain and makes it harder to get those sleepy feelings in the evening which is so important for us to just drift off. And I think something um, that Ethan was commenting on there as well was around that frustration that we can also have in bed um, and I know that I definitely do this myself as well and I think it's it's quite common that when we can't sleep it does become really frustrating and then we kind of get stuck with our thoughts we're getting really frustrated in bed but actually sometimes kind of being able to take a break by getting out of bed um, you know doing a kind of low stimulus activity and then coming back to bed just for sleep I think that's often quite a powerful um tool to use and rather than staying in bed trying to force yourself to sleep and getting more and more frustrated which just kind of keeps you in that awake cycle so ethan you've mentioned some of the things that were helpful are you aware of um, any other things that were factors that were sort of impacting on how you had been organizing your sleep pattern uh, that you haven't talked about yet any other things that would be top tips for other other people young people listening to this podcast phones it's it sounds idiotic but phones is was the main another main reason why i would stay up because my main thing when i woke up was I'll go on my phone, I'll go on an app called TikTok and TikTok simulates your brain because once you start scrolling, you're still scrolling, you're scrolling and you just, you forget the track of time. And like Olivia said, the light from your phone just simulates your brain more. And with me, it made me think I was, it was in daylight because I'd have my brightness up so high. So I've now started to come off my phone let, like later before I go to bed and only watch TV. And then if I was coming up to bed, I just kind of sit there. Sometimes I play a board game with my mum or something just to keep myself going instead of looking at a light screen. So then I'll make myself sleepy because a simple looking at your phone, the brightness just simulates your brain more. And that's, that was a big struggle for me because I just was always on my phone. I think that the arousal is key as well. We, we can't sleep if we're feeling alert, we're feeling just basically on we need to start winding down and that's really really important and looking at what those factors are in our life that is kind of keeping us alert whether it's kind of staying up worrying about the fact you can't sleep or it's going on your phone looking at TikTok like Ethan um, it's just really recognizing that that's going to play a major role in how how you're able to feel sleepy and how easy it is for you to drift off. Yeah, and I think it's so difficult these days in terms of thinking about phone use and trying to kind of cut that down a little bit because um, our phones are our everything really. Um, and I think particularly um, for, for younger people, it's very much a platform to socialise with other people um, to kind of see what's going on in the world. Um, so I know that often people say it's really hard to kind of put their phone down at a certain hour because they know that their friends are on it or, you know, they're getting WhatsApp pinged to them um, in, in the middle of the night. There's other people doing that. And, you know, if I'm not in that, am I going to miss out on something? Um, so I think it can be kind of 
really tricky um, to kind of say, actually, this is this is the time I'm going to stop going on it. And yeah, just feel like you're missing out a little bit on that. I don't know, um, Ethan, if, if there's any tips you had on, around that or, or how you manage that with friends. Uh, I would put my phone on do not disturb. Mm. So when you put your phone on do not disturb, you don't get any notifications through. So and I would also turn my brightness down in case it did no a notification did come through because the lightness of your phone lighting up, you straight away your brain wants to look at it. So just simply turning your brightness down, turning it on do not disturb. And I would also put my phone on charge because I have a desk side table. So I put it on charge and put it as further away from me as possible. And I would not touch my phone until I wake up the next morning. Because otherwise I'm just gonna keep simulating my brain and I'll keep going through the same process like I did before I did sleep intervention where I was up constantly and the first thing I would do would be go on my phone. And I think it's also important to to think about other things that you enjoy and that you could do instead so really thinking about what what is something that maybe I haven't been doing but I could do it just before bed and it's a little bit more passive it's not stimulating and kind of making more of a schedule so you can it's fine to use social media and go on TikTok but maybe put that on earlier in the evening and then switch to a different activity that you also enjoy and I think because it's quite common nowadays that everything just becomes consumed with social media and that takes up a lot of time what are those other things that maybe you could be doing instead that maybe you've been neglecting a little bit just have a think about that. Thanks, Olivia. And I was just wondering if there's any other tips that is great to hear about Ethan's experience, but you've obviously used the sleep programme with other people as well. Any other things that you found young people found particularly helpful, just thinking of general practical changes they can make to how they're organising their time in the day or managing night times? Um, Something I think is quite powerful when I say it to young people is I give you permission to not have an early night. Um, I think that's something you hear quite a lot is if you can't sleep have an early night Um, but if you're struggling to sleep it's not going to help having an early night laying in bed and stressing about the fact that you're not sleeping that's going to add to kind of that worry and that alertness that we want to avoid sleep needs to be kind of effortless and just automatic so doesn't we can't really control when we fall asleep unfortunately the only thing we can really control is when we wake up so if you're kind of looking for that kind of little tips to help you just get to sleep a little bit earlier try and wake up just half an hour earlier set your alarm for half an hour earlier and make a wake up routine make it compelling to get out of bed in the morning make it so you want to get up and and start the day and what they'll end up doing is putting pressure on your brain to feel sleepier earlier and make sleep feel a little bit more automatic in the evening and kind of giving young people permission to do that I think is quite revolutionary when you've been told all your life just have an early night that can sometimes be the worst thing to do and what about exercise is exercise important in getting people ready for sleep um yeah i can see ethan nodding there um (laughs) so yes very important it's really important that you kind of wear yourself out that you need sleep if we think about why we need sleep it's to replace energy so the more things we're doing the more energy we're using up it puts more pressure on our body to actually want to go to sleep in the in the evening so at first that can that can be quite daunting if you've got no energy um but just doing a little bit more activity in the day you'll be surprised at how much pressure that puts on your body to want to go to sleep and also napping i think ethan will agree with with me here that 
you might think a quick little nap um, in the day is is like the best thing but if you're struggling to sleep at night what you're doing is you're taking away that kind of sleepy feeling when you're having a nap in the day so if you're feeling like you know you need a nap think of something else you could do that that's restful but something that would force you to stay awake and force you to keep going so you're building up that sleepy feeling so by the time it comes to the evening it's automatic and you don't have to think about it. Thanks that's really helpful to hear about. I guess that we also come across lots of young people and in fact all of us can notice the times when we're struggling to fall asleep is often when that we've got worries on our mind or when we're noticing that we're struggling with our mood. I wonder what people should be doing if they're finding that their minds are very busy in the evening and they're worrying and worrying and that's really having an impact on their sleep. So something that kind of Ethan and I discussed um, was something called worry time. So kind of giving yourself permission to have a space to worry, to think about all those things that are on your mind. Maybe write it down, put it in a jar, keep it away, keep these worries away from bedtime so it's okay to have them but try not to have the if you're noticing that you're worrying about something pop it on a piece of paper put it to the side and rearrange a time when you could have time to worry about it the next day uh, not near near bedtime um, and also scheduling in time to earlier in the evening to talk to people talk through what's on your mind just so you get those things off your chest so by the time it gets to the evening they're not weighing you down and you can start to relax and and kind of become a bit more sleepy. I think Ethan had some good tips on that yeah. as well. I was going to ask, how did you find those ideas? Did they feel helpful or what What worked for you? Um, yeah, it was very helpful to have that, you know, worry time. Um, and after my, like, as me and Olivia call it, worry time, I would go have a nice hot bath because a hot bath, like, to me was washing my worries away. And a hot bath as well just the steam and the hotness makes you tired. So having a hot bath before you go to bed and then just getting straight into bed after, I was straight away falling asleep because I was just so tired because I'd have a fill on day exercising because I've um, since I'd done the sleep intervention, I was actually doing running and I was just practicing boxing and everything like that. I was just doing simple little exercises, what would make me tired. And then I'd come home and everything have my dinner and then throughout the evening I'd do different things to make me more and more tired so bath as well before bed really helps like obviously not a cold shower because that's what you'd have in the morning to wake you up but a hot bath really helped me to be able to just fall asleep okay thank you and uh, I guess you know what Ethan's saying and, and having that bath after doing that worry time is, is also having just an activity that's also slightly more relaxing as well before bed um, and I think that's important to remember in, in the run up to bed we really want to start doing the more relaxing stuff so we can think or talk or write down our worries beforehand uh, preferably a few hours beforehand but the, the kind of little segment of time we have just before bed it's really helpful to do something that just calms you down and I think that will look different for different people you know it may be a bath um it may be other forms of kind of informal relaxation it may be listening to some gentle music it, it could be lots of different things for different people there's also lots of different kind of formal relaxation exercises you can do so some people quite like doing breathing exercises for example so that may include just slow breathing in and out um, it may be using 
a particular app or, or recording that takes you through a relaxation exercise. Um, for example, there's there's ones on breathing, there's ones on kind of muscle tension and relaxation. Um, so there's all sorts of things that you can choose, formal or informal types of relaxation, which can help. But I think importantly, it's about trying out what works and, and thinking about what's best for you and, and what does help you kind of relax before that moment that you go to bed. What if people are really just caught up with worries and they're just constantly going around the same worries all the time? Or, you know, if there's nightmares or other things going on, have we got any a sort of thing to share with families listening to this around what might help in those situations? So with nightmares, that was something that Ethan previously suffered with. And that's something that you know we came to further down the line because we found through kind of making those small behavioural changes it, and regulating our body clock and regulating the sleep cycle, it tends to kind of alleviate a lot of the kind of how many nightmares you're having, how much you're waking up. But something we did um, kind of discuss and put into practice is how uh, what we do when we do have a nightmare, when when we wake up. Because obviously, understandably, when you have a nightmare, you wake up and you feel alert, you feel distressed. So it's important to kind of have little things around you that are going to soothe you and let you know that it's okay, it was a nightmare, but now you're back in the present, you're in your bed and you're safe. So we talked about kind of what kind of techniques, uh, sensory items you could have nearby. Um, a common good one to use is having a glass of water next to your bed that you can use and take a sip off to ground yourself to, like I say, bring you back and let your body know that you're safe. We tend to find that, like I said, by kind of regulating uh, your body clock, those sorts of things start to lessen more and more. And I think that's what, Ethan, you found that as well? Yeah, um, definitely. It was with my nightmares, a lot of them was because they got worse when my sleep got worse. It was just random because I never thought that could be possible for sleep just to make your nightmares worse. But another thing for me was realising where I was. Having a photo of my mum next to me in bed made me realise that I'm safe, I'm okay sort of thing. Just because when you have a nightmare, sometimes you just wake up sort of thing. Um, and it would make you realise where you are and then you sort of calm down and just get back to sleep because I really did suffer with nightmares. I would have up to four nightmares a night. So it was a real struggle for me and that was a lot of reason why my sleep was so rubbish because of just nightmares constantly. But after being able to realise where I was and having different things like simple glass of water or a photo next to me, it kind of just calmed me down and the nightmares become less. They would never fully stop but that's also because of other other mental health issues that I do suffer with that never, nightmares will never stop but they slow down and become one a night. Wow so that sounds a massive difference and just to clarify so you said actually being able to after the experience of a nightmare where you're also your mind's in another place trying to do things to pull yourself back into the present which is what Olivia was calling grounding um, is what really could help settle and calm you down again at that point and I guess what we know with grounding is that drawing on our different senses um, helps us to connect back with the here and now so that the glass of water and the picture for you so that visual of your mum is really important and it's sometimes for other people that might be something soft that they can touch or it might be some using some music to help to calm them or noticing even how they're feeling they're feeling the sort of covers on their bed can all be ways to help reconnect back into the present.
I'm just thinking that one thing that might be really helpful for some people on this podcast is to listening to will be to hear about what what things are helpful that others can do to support someone who's struggling with sleep uh, and maybe also just highlighting a few things that aren't so helpful I guess um, Olivia mentioned you mentioned something already about um, sort of taking pressure off around particular sleep time as not being helpful but I wonder if we can just spend our last few minutes thinking about uh, what are helpful tips to give to those trying to support young people struggling with sleep. Yeah I think that's an important point and sleep does impact you know the rest of your family network as well um and you know parents often say they feel quite worried and stressed themselves about their their child's sleeping pattern so as we said you know you can't force someone to, to fall asleep so i think the best advice for for people you know parents or friends or whoever's supporting you with their with sleep is just to kind of come alongside um, that young person and work together with them so you know if parents are supporting their children with their sleep getting to find out from them what is helpful what is not so helpful um, maybe exploring more of them um, what are the advantages and disadvantages of, of changing a sleep routine um, asking them themselves what do you think I could do differently or what could I I add into your routine to help so I guess just really working as a team rather than um, saying exactly what someone should or shouldn't be doing. I think just like little things you could do, just encourage them to get out of their bed space in the day, encourage them to go and do more activities and things they enjoy doing. Thinking about, uh, can I help them get up in the morning? That's something that a lot of, if you had a bad night's sleep, it's really hard to get up the next day. And and as I mentioned previously, that can be really helpful getting up at a set uh, time every morning can be really helpful for regulating the body clock. So so coming into their room and and encouraging them to get out of bed and thinking about how they could make that easier for the young person. Yeah. And just thinking about all those little environmental cues and around the house, can you switch off main lights? Can you put lamps on? Can you open the windows for a blast of fresh air in the evening? Just little, tiny little things that you can do that just starts to regulate the body clock and encourage those feelings of sleepiness and i guess also added to that you know if parents themselves are supporting um just to model those sleep habits as well because actually i think we were all prone to looking at our phones later than we should or um yeah maybe having caffeine later than we should so kind of um you know if you're supporting someone with their changing their sleep habits to do that with them as well um so that you can kind of model it and and also reinforce it okay and Ethan any last thoughts about what what you learned or what you perhaps the family around you have learned is helpful or not helpful um for for you what what worked for you in terms of having support from others um to be fair I'm I naps a lot um and it wouldn't be like a 20 minute nap there 20 minute nap there it was a full-on at least six hours of napping throughout the day um, and I think what I found helpful was because my mum actually suffers with sleep as well. Um, and she's on sleeping medication and she does it. So she takes her sleep medication early and sits in a dark room because then it makes her sleepy. She would help me throughout the day by not letting me nap and by getting me to do stuff throughout the day. So it's just simple things of supporting someone with sleep just throughout the day, not letting them nap, keeping their mind busy, keeping them doing something. Like my mum would get me to do stuff in the house maybe clean my room or clean the house sort of thing and help out or 
and keep myself busy and would also get me to go out and walk with her. And it's just simple things like that can make someone feel a lot better and make them more tired. And it was just, yeah, not napping was my main thing. As a teenager, we just, you know, you feel tired during the day. Oh, I'll just take a quick nap. That nap never is quick. It turns into hours and then you, your whole day is gone. So it's just a simple of no, don't let a young person nap. Obviously, another thing was sometimes my stepdad would go to me, why didn't you have an early night? Is when he realised, saying to me having an early night, I would end up waking up later in the night. The simple early night for someone who suffers with sleep can turn into a night with no sleep at all. So it was just the simple fact of they would keep me energised throughout the day simple just going on walks and that just made me more and more tired and just I had that's when the nightmares became less as well because I wasn't napping I was going on walks and I was keeping my mind busy throughout the day and that just really helped me get better and just many things with sleep it helps you be able to go out with people and meet your friends because you're sleeping throughout the day and sleeping throughout the day and your friends are going out you feel like you're missing out more and it just, it really helped my, my mental health because I felt so low because I was just so sleepy all the time. I wasn't able to go out anywhere. So it, it was a big impact on me until I made it better by the help of the sleep team. It made me feel much more better and I was able to do stuff. I was able to meet friends and I was able to come out as transgender to my family as well what took a big weight off my shoulders and it really, really helped. Wow, it sounds like it's been a massive impact for you, Ethan, and thanks for sharing it with us all. And I guess one thing I'm hearing that I'd just like to check in with Olivia about is, you know, is is sort of Ethan's sort of hopes of what he wanted to manage in the day that he wasn't managing. Was that a helpful driver that you sort of guided? I'm just thinking of how parents can support their young people around that sort of motivation to change sleep habits, which have, have been so ingrained that it feels really tricky to make change. And that was really helpful for to kind of guide the, the journey, because something I asked Ethan the very first time I met him was, what is sleep stopping you doing? What would you be doing if you could sleep well? And that's the first thing he said, I would spend time with the, my loved ones. And then we set goals around achieving that. And I think when we met, it was out of 10, with 10 being that's achieved, he scored like zeros and twos. And by the end of it, he was scoring 10 out of 10 on all of them because he had that goal that he wanted to achieve. And it was really helpful for like tailoring um, what we were doing and giving him that drive to, to kind of persevere with it. Thank you. I think that's really helpful to hear. And I guess maybe that's a really good note to finish on that sense that as parents, what we're hearing that Ethan, you managed with your family is to communicate about what helped and what didn't and get your family on board to help support you with the things that you needed. And we know that when uh, we've got adolescents, that it's really important to come alongside, be a coach and not try and just direct and manage because that doesn't work in, in making change. So it's about working together and communicating well. And it sounds like having good goals to work towards that are identified by a young person is really key and also motivating bringing around change as well. Um, okay, I want to say thank you to all of you for joining us for the podcast today. Thank you, Ethan. Thank you, Olivia. And thank you, Hope. And we hope that's been helpful for you listeners to have a few more top tips to try and think about about how to support your young person. for
listening, please do subscribe. It's free and means the podcast will automatically download every fortnight. Do rate and review our podcast and follow our social media accounts. They're all in the show notes. And more than anything, look after yourself.